0: Hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the premiere of Beautiful and Bothered. My name is Johnny Ross, an actor, comedian, makeup artist, and your host. Each week, in addition to discussing hot topics, we will have some amazing guests. I'm talking people in beauty, social media, education, music, comedy, drag, and we're really going to be breaking down the secrets to their success. So growing up as a little gay boy in very rural New Jersey, I I was a pretty quiet kid for the most part when I wasn't, you know, trying to be the class clown. But when you live in constant fear of getting bullied or getting made fun of, you tend to just kind of keep to yourself. But looking back on it, I have always considered myself very lucky because I've really always been a very observant person. I was always fascinated with just watching people from afar and seeing how their actions resulted in certain consequences or rewards. And it told me a lot about drive, motivation, achieving your goals, even navigating relationships. So that's really why I wanted to start this podcast. Aside from just getting to hang out every week and, you know, talk about all the gossip, I really wanted to bring you these conversations with such interesting people to really figure out that why was it when they got knocked down again and again, what made them keep wanting to try? Whether it was navigating divorce or their career or their personal relationships, I think it is just so valuable to learn from other people's experiences. And in a time when our attention span is just getting shorter and shorter, I think it's a great opportunity to just get to listen to someone's entire story, whether it's their life story or how they got to be where they are and just learn from it. That's always been one of my favorite things to do. So I am so excited that you are here and let's get this first show on the road. So let's jump right on in to today's hot topic. So today we're going to be talking about the rise and fall of Morphe. If you're not familiar with the makeup brand Morphe, they have been an incredibly popular brand for Almost a decade now, and they have very affordable products. They've done so many huge collaborations with big names in the beauty industry, like Jacqueline Hill, Jeffrey Star, Manny MUA, James Charles, Laura Lee. And I was at the mall a few days ago, maybe a few weeks ago now, and I noticed that the Morphe store in my mall closed. It was totally empty, paper on the windows, and I was kind of shocked because, like I said, they've been a very popular brand for many, many years. And lo and behold, the news broke a couple days ago that the parent company that owns Morphe, which is called Forma Brands LLC, has filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy. So based on my research, I also think it's fascinating to have learned that Forma Brands LLC also owns REM Beauty, which is Ariana Grande's makeup brand. So following Forma's Chapter 11 bankruptcy announcement, it has been reported that they're entering into a definitive asset purchase agreement with entities including Jeffrey's Finance and Cerberus Capital Management, aka like those financial groups are pretty much bailing out. Forma brand's LLC. The proposed transaction is expected to, quote, significantly strengthen, end quote, its financial position and, quote, provide additional support for the execution of its long-term growth strategy, which will focus largely on the company's global wholesale and e-commerce operations, end quote. So now we have a little bit of insight into why they closed their brick and mortar stores. Obviously, this is like, in my opinion, the politician's response to why it's happening. And on top of it, something else fascinating that just came out is that Forma Brands plans on ending its licensing agreement with R.E.M. Beauty, Ariana Grande's brand, and it's rumored because of underwhelming sales. So that's a little surprising, especially, I mean, Ariana Grande's brand, you think it would be doing very well, I am not shocked by that, to be honest, because I think of a couple of the new celebrity brands that have come out recently. R.E.M. Beauty had a few viral moments, but for the most part, I don't really think anything particular in the line has really took off. I have my own feelings about R.E.M. Beauty. Everything I've tried personally, other than their concealer, I have not been impressed by. And I even posted my lip liner review being very honest that I didn't like them at all. And then... Um, I think it was a couple of days after I had posted that video, someone from the brand reached out to me saying they wanted to send me their phase four launch, which was the concealers, and they never came. So I'm pretty sure they removed me from the PR list, which what are you going to do? I could care less about it. And I think it's interesting that Forma Brands, while obviously, you know, taking a nosedive, chooses to cut ties with them. So there's gotta be something there as far as how REM beauty is performing. So now regarding Forma brands, basically their bailout. Uh, it just came out uh yesterday or the day before that a borrow of $16.2 million of new cash from existing lenders is tentatively approved pending minor changes to the deal discussed in a hearing on Friday. And this money will allegedly allow Forma to pay employees and vendors. But another thing that really jumped out at me when I was doing research is that a few influencers that Morphe has done collaborations with are listed as unsecured creditors, AKA they haven't paid those influencers for sales of collaborations, the merchandise that they collaborated on. out that it would be maybe for like an initial contract they entered into but either way but specifically they owe two influencers a combined 3.4 million dollars so the reason i found this entire situation so fascinating is because morphe to me really is a brand that is so indicative of also the rise and fall of like the influencer culture they put so much stock a couple years ago into doing huge collaborations with the biggest influencers at the time they had gondolas set up in the store of those influencers recommendations and to be honest like almost every single one that they had teamed up with influencer had a major scandal like massive one by one by one by one just taking them out and it was really bad and the way morphe handled almost every single one of those scandals back in the day was a little Tactless. They really never released a statement about it. They just kind of always quietly retracted the products or quietly took a brand out of their stores, their brick and mortar stores. And then when it just really compiled and you had almost five of their biggest collaborators at the time all be embroiled in these really big scandals, they tried to quietly rebrand with smaller influencer collaborations, launch a baby sister brand, Morphe 2, which was much more focused on skincare and lightweight makeup for Gen Z users that are more interested in that kind of thing. But it makes sense that they just raked in the cash when they were in their golden era of all the massive influencer collaborations. And now that they quietly tried to step away from that, it makes sense that over maybe the past two years or year, they really haven't been making what they were to maintain those brick and mortar stores. So that's really a lot of like the financial stuff that's going on. But the main reason I wanted to talk about this is that There's been such a huge surge of Morphe employees taking to TikTok and social media in general, talking about how bad their experience was as Morphe stores closed. And all the videos I watched, it wasn't even just employees. We're talking like store managers here that were asking their district managers or corporate back in October when they were having 30, 40% off sales. And then by November they were having 70 to 80% off sales. Like, what's going on here, are we in danger? And they were constantly being told, oh, everything's fine, don't worry about it, no big deal. And almost every one of these employees ended up walking into their stores about four days before Christmas being told that they were going to be out of a job in four days on December 26. And a lot of people have given criticism like, okay, get over it, whatever. It happens all the time. People get laid off, but this is clearly something that's been in the works for a very long time where employees could have been notified much earlier to start looking for a new job. And another thing I don't think people realize is that as a makeup artist, it is actually very difficult to find work in retail cosmetics to get that experience as someone that has had many retail cosmetics jobs and on top of it finding a job after christmas is near impossible when it comes to cosmetics because they're actually letting go all of their holiday held sales are not going to be in january what they were in december so they're certainly not going to be hiring so you gave these people four days notice it's going to be really difficult to find a job when they were asking you for months and months, what's going on. Some of them did get severance packages. A lot of the videos I watch, the severance packages are pitiful. We're talking a week to two weeks, three weeks maybe at the max. So I really don't think it would have put such a bad taste in people's mouth, especially mine, if we weren't compiling on the entire history of the brand. Because this is a brand that has just been embroiled in scandal over the past five years and they handled all of that like I said, very tactless. And now you have your kind of final swan song, closing all your brick and mortar stores before they become an e-commerce only brand is you left your employees in the dark for months, told them everything was fine up until two weeks before Christmas, and then let them walk into empty shelves four days before they were closing the brick and mortar stores and telling them all, you're not going to have a job in four days. So it obviously was a last minute cash grab to not freak any employees out, make them work their hardest up until the day the store was closing to get every dime they could because they obviously are in such financial ruin. Forma Brands, the the parent company that owns them, and you used the employees and tossed them out. And it is unclear whether Forma Brands, LLC, or Morphe were the ones kind of puppeteering this screw over of the employees, But overall, I think, you know, after years of of all the scandal and then this, I just as a makeup artist that's worked in retail beauty, I personally am going to definitely be reevaluating my relationship with buying Morphe or using Morphe because... Like I said, I think they have a very big history of sweeping stuff under the rug. And my heart goes out to all the employees that got screwed over on Christmas, nonetheless. And I'm really interested in the coming months to see what ends up happening with Morphe because let me tell you, it is not looking good. Welcome back, everybody. So my guest today is a social media and beauty sensation, spreading messages of self-love, body positivity, and prioritizing your mental health. Her exceptional artistry, a knowledge of beauty, and infectiously a funny and vulnerable personality are only some of the reasons she has achieved such a meteoric stardom in just over two years. I am so excited and honored to have you as my very first guest. My friend Michaela Nishara, how are you?
1: Good. You're gonna make me cry.
0: <laughs> it's your resume speaks for itself.
1: That. that was like so sweet. Thank
0: you. Of, of course, I have to say for anyone uh, who doesn't know this and how would they, you know, I, I think this is an industry and a career that is very difficult to kind of just feel like you have colleagues or make friends with people or yeah. build a community. And I have to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart because you started following me when i had one tenth of the following i have now you would comment on things and 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 support what i was doing and express your interest in it and i that really in those early stages when you're developing it and you feel so like oh god is this worth it to keep going is it you know is anyone seeing this is it making a difference You doing that was meant the world and then moving on to meeting you and and getting to see how you are the exact same person everybody sees online and you are as kind and sweet and that radiates out. It just really, for the first time in my career, doing this, which was unexpected for me, made me feel so validated and secure that there was other people that had that inside them. So I just have to let everybody know that. <laughs> oh, my
1: god! Oh, thank you. Wow. I mean, yeah, I remember um, for people who don't know, I, I had a, an intimate dinner in New York City with glow recipe when I came out with my kit. And um, they said, Who do you want to invite? And I, I asked to invite Johnny and he was so excited to be there. <laughs> my, my first ever beauty event
0: Ever. And it was a email from uh, Glow Recipe saying, Michaela would like to have an intimate dinner with you. So I was pretty I I was, you know, went through the five stages of like crying, (laughs) denial, happiness, joy. So um, but yeah, it it couldn't have gone better and just made me feel absolutely phenomenal. But I want to kind of just take it back to where it all began. So where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Massachusetts, uh, South Coast, Massachusetts. I've lived there my entire life. So it's pretty much all I know <laughs>
0: Yeah, in growing up in that area throughout school, throughout high school, where did the Venn diagram kind of overlap that you realized you discovered this love for beauty? Did it go back that far or was it after high school? When did that start?
1: Yeah. So I'll try to make my little background story short. <laughs> uh, Cause it's, it's, I could write a book one day and I, I might honestly, but, uh, So when I was around 10, 10 years old, Mm -hmm. is when, um, unfortunately, I I, I did grow up being bullied for my appearance Mm. and my voice, which is still a big topic of today, (laughs) but um, I, I actually my mom would bring home Avon catalogs. She had a friend who mm-hmm. sold Avon makeup. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And, she, and my mom would, you know, hand me them. And I, I was only 10, so I knew nothing about makeup. She said, do you want to try anything? And my mom is an artist herself. She's very, very creative. So she was always really open about makeup, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. And so I took a little Avon magazine and I circled a bunch of stuff and and she ordered it for me. And You know, when she gave it to me, I I looked at it and I had no idea what to do with it. But uh, I just kind of, I had um, one of those door mirrors just hanging on my door. And I would sit on the floor, look into the door mirror and just play around with the makeup and and figure it out. And um, I originally started wearing makeup because it made me feel better about my appearance. So the the bullying I went through was specifically um, being called a man or a man who dresses like a woman, I just struggled. So I struggled a lot with my identity, um, specifically feeling feminine, feeling like a woman, um, because a lot of people made me feel like I didn't deserve to be a woman. Um, And Mm -hmm. makeup was kind of that one thing that I would put on and I would feel very feminine and beautiful and pretty. Mm -hmm. But I was only 10 years old. So, and then I would say, by the time I turned 15, is when beauty YouTube just like blew up. And that's when I started watching all the beauty YouTubers and kind of discovering what makeup actually is, which is a creative outlet. It's a canvas. It's artistic and fun. And that's when I started doing like the winged liner and trying to play around with eyeshadow. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I remember to this day, one of the first, the first colorful palette I ever got was it was called the Urban Decay Electric Palette. Do you remember that?
0: Yes. It came with a warning saying yeah. it was gonna stain your eyes. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> yes. it was the first <laughs> colorful palette I ever bought and, and it was a it was an insane palette. It was super bright colors. It was very painted. Yeah. And um that's kinda when I fell in love with just doing the crazy eye makeup and the fun lip colors and going all out with it. So it's interesting how I started wearing makeup To feel better about myself in school. Yeah. And then it changed over time and I learned how it's all about artistry and creativity. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that shift happened for me because, you know, at 10 years old, to go through that sucks. But I've really grown since then. So thank goodness.
0: Speaking of the YouTube boom, I think there was the, the you know, centuries old understanding of beauty and makeup and that ties into getting bullied in high school. And even me, when I was in my later years of high school, kind of dealing with coming out, it started as a suit of armor. You get to put on an exterior mm-hmm. that is more confident to present to the world. And a lot of people still have that mentality. And I think a lot of us try to, at least I know both of us, uh, always try to infuse this message in our content and how we talk to people is there really is that switch where we want to almost rebrand what makeup can be. Exactly. In the sense that it is, it can start that way, But it doesn't have to continue that way it becomes this thing that is solely about self-expression and solely about playing and artistry and creativity and a lot of people it's difficult sometimes to deal with the comments from people that see you both of us maybe wearing as much makeup as we are doing what we do and saying why do you have to do that why do you have to put this on and how do you like to frame your message to your audience and really get them to understand how unintimidating and fun and creative makeup can be?
1: Right. Yeah. When I worked at Alta specifically, you know, people would come in and they always, if I, if I went up to them and said, do you need help today? Would you like any help? Um, they always came in with like a negative if that makes any sense. I want to, I want to cover my acne. I want to get rid of my dark spots. I hate my wrinkles. It was always something negative And that's kind of when I realized that for a lot of people, makeup is an armor, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that's, that's something I loved about working in, in retail at Ulta was I could sort of like shift their mind frame, if that makes any sense.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah.
1: And, and sometimes it takes a lot of work um, to shift the mindset. But, you know, I used to be the type, I couldn't go to the gym without makeup on. I wouldn't go anywhere without makeup on, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I absolutely needed it everywhere I went, but now yeah. not, not the case. I'll go to the gym without makeup. I'll go out without makeup and I'm happy either way and that is yeah. like the biggest thing for me to be happy without and with you know mm-hmm.
0: well that that's the funniest thing cuz I'm the exact same way I think you and I would love for people to understand this or hear this is that both of us are in a phase in our life where we are makeup is completely artistic for us mm. it's it's uh it's self-expression and we maybe wear You know full glam we do all of this stuff but once you almost conquer that and get to that place and have fun with it that's when something clicks and you go i don't need this i don't need this i want this and Mm -hmm. then when i'm not in that space where i'm you know going to a wedding or going out and especially me as a guy i don't get in full you know a little tinted moisturizer every now and again Nine times out of ten, I leave the house looking like a hobo. Like, because I, like, nothing. Because you realize it demystifies what that notion that it's this suit of armor, that it's something you need and right. it really becomes something you want and, so, and something you want to use to express yourself. And speaking of Ulta, talk to me about the transition from working at Ulta Beauty and pursuing your career on social media.
1: Sure. So uh, 2020... Is when I sort of began all of this. Um, I was a senior in college and at the same time uh, I was working multiple jobs to afford college <laughs> and one of them was Alta. and basically it was the last three months of my college career and I knew that I was going to stack graduate school which I did begin. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was going to be able to continue working at Ulta. So that was my plan. I was going to graduate. I was going to work at Ulta and I was getting my master's degree. And then COVID hit. (laughs) And um, COVID, like I'm pretty sure COVID changed everyone's life. um, And it it did change mine. So when COVID hit, um, Ulta Beauty shut down its doors uh, temporarily, of course, and it laid off all of its employees temporarily. So I was laid off. And then um, my graduate program that I was already several classes in, decided to shut down. Mm. So I was jobless, schoolless, <laughs> and I also had, um, I was gonna do a, a, a job in HI because my degree is communication. And uh, that job got resyndicated because of COVID. Mm. So I was just hopeless. Like, just a confused college senior. I had no idea what to do. Um, and that's a really, I feel like that's a, such a tough period in life, that transition yeah. from senior in college to, like, adulthood. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I got really depressed. I didn't know what to do. And I i felt like all my dreams came tumbling down and were, like, crushed. And that's when I downloaded TikTok, and I downloaded TikTok uh, cause a good friend of mine told me, you know, if I were to download it, I would, you know, laugh my ass off and it could help me out a little bit <laughs> with my with yeah. depression and all that. So I, I downloaded it and I got to tell you, I w- I, the first time I ever opened that app, I scrolled for hours and I just <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. And I'm like, this app is freaking great. <laughs> and it was, so, and then that's when I stumbled upon, um, makeup tiktok which i was totally unfamiliar with and at the time makeup tutorials didn't they didn't really exist on tiktok yet Mm -hmm. it was more like the transition videos with the makeup Mm -hmm. so that's all i had saw at that point and i said all right i got nothing better to do so let me try this and what i liked about tiktok was it was super easy to use, super easy yeah. to film and do everything right in the app. So it was a Sunday morning. I did my little before transition with the trending audio at the time. And then <laughs> you, you know should. took my shower, did my hair, makeup, and then I finished it and I posted it. Now I had no followers, nobody, nobody knew who I was. I wasn't like a social media star before that or anything at all. I was just, you know, a college student. Yeah. I put my phone down. I I pick it up a few hours later, and the video has just blown up. And and it was very, very, very confusing. I won't lie, (laughs) because I didn't understand why it was happening to me. But I am someone who heavily believes in like manifestation and pursuing your dreams and taking control of your life. So. Growing up, my dream was to change the world with beauty somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And um, when I, when that video went viral, the first thing I said was, "Okay, stop everything you're doing. This is your time, mm-hmm. right now. You're gonna you're gonna make another video tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You're gonna stop taking Instagram seriously. You're gonna post pictures every day." And I took it extremely seriously right away. And I started posting multiple videos a day and it, and it just like, it spiraled. I gained, I had like millions of followers within the first few months. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. Whirlwind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> understatement. Well,
0: you, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Cause I was curious when I was kind of uh, preparing for this, I, I, had an inkling you were somebody that believed in manifestation and that kind of mentality as I do, but going back, I never realized how similar our experiences are. I and uh, keeping it very short, I s- went back to school when I was 26 because I was kind of very run down with retail beauty. I was going to go in marketing, work corporate cosmetics, graduated uh, two months before the pandemic, and exactly the same thing lost. A year's worth of beauty, uh, bridal makeup artistry, um, job and degree was pointless. And I've struggled with depression my entire life. And it flared up stronger than I remember that I hadn't felt since I was probably 12 or 13. And something else that hit me was, you know, when you said it it blew up, I didn't know why this was happening. And I think you are somebody that has really like hit their rhythm Connecting with your Mm -hmm. audience like you you that radiation of authenticity and vulnerability, which is not easy for many people to do Where do you think that ability comes from to be able to invite people in that way and just project exactly who you are?
1: Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is gonna be really confusing to most people, but it makes sense to me so I've talked about this briefly, but I I struggle with severe social anxiety. I don't think people truly understand how bad my social anxiety is. Um, for instance, I don't drive. Mm. I'm too anxious, so Cody always yeah. drives for me. Um, I, I barely leave my house. Uh, I, I, I'm i afraid of public transportation. I've never taken like a bus. Like It's just... It's something I've battled my whole life. And I've done tremendously well with overcoming it over the last few years. And, you know, I've made videos about it on TikTok. Like, I took my first um, plane alone, which was, like, a huge deal to me. I took a train for the first time uh, this past year, which was a huge deal for me. Um, I drove in a city, which uh, you would never catch. Like, yes, so... And part of that social anxiety is I'm very, 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 very shy. So I think, I don't know how to explain this. So this has been a thing my whole life. And this is why I got a degree in communication and media. Mm. So if you meet me in person, right, I'll be very, very shy and awkward and socially anxious. Yeah. But for some reason, when I have a camera in front of me, and I'm alone, I just, this rush of authenticity comes out where I can just be myself because I'm not scared of anything. There's no one around me that I'm afraid of. I'm in a place where I'm safe and comfortable. And I, like I said, a lot of people are probably not going to understand what I mean by that, but for Mm -hmm. some reason, that's why when I say TikTok saved me, I mean it because social anxiety has been a big issue in my life that has taken over my life many times, but TikTok just allows me to come out of that. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I love TikTok so much. And that is a big reason why I post so much and I film so much because just to be taken out of that social anxiety and to be able to be wow. myself and have fun and laugh and let that Michaela personality out that I most often hide because I'm so yeah. anxious, it means a lot to me. So, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: I think you you per, you perfectly answered the question because I think it's that's exactly what it is, that for the people who are watching you, m- me included, that X factor is, it, it's almost... Sometimes even watching what you're doing whether it's makeup or the story you're sharing is sometimes I miss it because I'm I'm actually focusing on wow look at this person do this thing that is the thing they were meant to do they are it is so evident that you are so happy in that space that I have moments where I'm like I didn't even watch her put the eyeshadow on because I'm just staring at you like because we are still in a time where it's very rare to see happiness anywhere on the internet to mm. see that that kindness and that that just ha- that joy that playfulness and also even the way you explained it i think is also very evident, it speaks to your ability to self-reflect and you've been very open about your struggle with mental health and depression and like I said, I've gone through it as well and I, I know the feeling but how did you first realize that you were struggling with that? Or when? What age? How did that journey kind of begin?
1: Um, well, I was first I mean, I, I sh- I've struggled uh, with just myself as a person <laughs> Like in, um, so I come from a very, uh, creative family, like I mentioned, um, to the point where my mom would like sew me dresses that were really like crazy and colorful and fun. I love that. So, you know how, like when you're in elementary school, they take like a group photo of the class. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like when I go back and look at those photos of the class. I always would stand out because of how I would be dressed. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of that first time I looked at that photo. I was like, okay, I feel like I really am very different than a lot of people. So like, mm-hmm. um, I just always felt different. I was diagnosed with depression at 12. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been struggling with it for a long time. And then I was diagnosed with uh, the social anxiety when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And then I was diagnosed with OCD which to today is my biggest struggle. Mm. Um, and then I unfortunately struggle with an eating disorder as well. And it's tough because when you struggle with mental health to that degree, it's difficult to not let it take over your entire life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk about it so much because... If I were to stay silent about it, I would be struggling, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I talk about it to TikTok, to a psychiatrist, to a therapist, to my family, to Cody. Just talk about it. I think that's like my message. We're so conditioned to believe that talking about mental health makes you a victim, Mm -hmm. which is so not true. I feel like everyone has some sort of struggle mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. And I just wish that there wasn't so many stigmas around talking about it. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah well that brings me to you know let's talk about the 519 of it all, not the issue <laughs> itself because because it's dead and buried, but some I, I am much more interested in discussing what led you to take a break. From your career. The video that uh, Michaela posted, for those who don't know, was kind of just uh, reflecting on the incident, but then mostly saying that she was going to take time to step away to focus on her mental health for yourself, for your fiancé, and which I also loved that you spoke to in that video, because I feel the same way. Uh, When you have someone that supports you as much as Casey does for me, as Cody does for you, and you specifically said, I need to take care of Cody and nurture that relationship and I loved that um but yeah what made you realize that it was time to step away and do that because not many people would do that with the following you have which I found so phenomenal so walk me through that thought process
1: sure so yeah it it is a coincidence that it happened right at the 519 thing because <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna take. I was gonna take the break, yeah. um, and then it just that happened to happen at the same time, and I was like, "Shoot!" <laughs> but um, so, like you said, so I I thought about taking that break for over a year, mm. and I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, because brand trips would come, opportunities would come, I would get video ideas that I wanted to do, like. Mm-hmm. And all this pressure. And I just kept putting it off. And I said, you know what? I'll work on my mental health later. I'll work on my mental health later. I'll work on it later. I'll get to it. And the the truth of it is, I never got to it. I never put my mental health first for that year time that I kept pushing it off. And then unfortunately, um, it got to a really bad point. My mental health um, got really, really, really bad. Um, and I did not want to make videos anymore i i to be frank with you i wanted to quit the career Mm -hmm. i was done yeah um but to be honest with you what really pushed me over the edge and and you don't have to believe in psychics okay
0: (laughs) i do but just so you know
1: yes so i think psychics are very interesting and i think they Mm -hmm. can give good insight if if you're interested but um So I went to a psychic and, uh, the psychic said, um, she was basically, it was, it was a reading about my future. Mm -hmm. And she said, I see a sense of jealousy in your relationship, but not Mm -hmm. with people with social media. And I said. What do you, what do you mean by that? And she said, someone in your life thinks that you put too much time into social media and not enough time into them. Wow. Just to be honest with you. And I do, I put a lot of freaking time into my career because I love it. Makeup is my life. Um, and you know, despite what people say, this career as a content creator is time consuming. Yeah. Um, especially with the amount of content I do. But so essentially I realized that I was put in my career first and not Cody Mm. who should be first Mm. because he is my fiance, he's my future. Because at the end of the day I could lose everything, my career, my house, everything. But Cody's the one that's going to be there for me at the end of the day. Yeah. And he means the, the freaking world to me. I don't want to ever lose that man. He's my life. Um, so that is why I took the two months away. Because yeah. I wanted to show Cody that I do put him first. But yeah. also, I put myself first. So basically... Yeah. um. I was able to completely turn my mental state around in those two months and a lot of people have noticed in my videos, (laughs) I'm just a a ball of energy now and, you know, laughing, making jokes, having fun. Uh, You know, it went from when I first took the break, I I hated the career and I wanted to quit and I was like very, very mentally drained to now. I love the career again. I look forward to making videos every day again. I have fun making the videos and I I make them how I want to make them and, and what's authentically me. So, yeah. Yeah, the 2 months were definitely needed.
0: Yeah, and you've said that online already that it really was such a healing, transformational time and the motivation for it aside, in, in as far as the relationship with yourself, what were some of the self-discoveries you kind of uncovered? during that time that you think had an impact on maybe reframing, re-entering the space and, and just your relationship with, yeah, your priorities and yourself and maybe how you see yourself, all those things.
1: Yeah. I briefly spoke about this on my story about how, I don't know why this is. I think it's just the history, but the beauty community um, tends to have like a tag it of Mm -hmm. who is controversial. the
0: time yes and and i
1: think because i am a larger creator um there has been like a little bit of a a tagging on me Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yes and uh it's it you know constant hate accounts being made about me and reddit threads and and videos and and it just destroyed me i'm being very honest with you i mean yeah a lot of people say like don't be what is that phrase don't be the cook if you can't be in the kitchen or something. Sure. <laughs> you know
0: what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I'll google it and insert it over here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
1: a lot of people say like Michaela like you, you should not be an influencer if you're sensitive and you can't handle the heat. You can't handle the heat. like don't do the job. yes But why? <laughs> Like I'm human. (laughs) Like am I not supposed to feel any emotion regarding this? (laughs) Yes. Um, and I'm a very emotional person and that's like not something I'm gonna shut off. Basically, and this is so strange to me, right? So like as I got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, I was like, All right, my I'm probably gonna get cancelled like really soon (laughs) Because it just it's just like it's it's basically in the job description (laughs) if you're allowed to create it. So um, when the five nineteen thing happened, I literally I did not expect myself to react the way I did. Yeah. So when I first saw it, so ba- I was in New York City for an event, right? <laughs> and yeah. at six a.m. I I had to go to the bathroom, so I woke up in oh. my hotel room <laughs> and I go pee or whatever, and then I come back to bed, and I I was like, let me just check my phone real quick, mm-hmm. and I open TikTok. And it, all the comments—they're just flowing in. And it's six a.m., and I'm like, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest—I did ball my eyes out for a good hour, <laughs> justifiably, yeah. But then I felt this like really strange sense of relief. Okay. Because all these hate accounts are just build and build and build and build and build, and all this Reddit shit, and like. I'm like going to explode, but then the 519 thing happened and I felt relieved because I could handle it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I could handle something so intense. Yeah. And I I felt really strong, to be honest with you.
0: Wow. I literally have to read you exactly the question I wrote because it's hysterical that you brought this up. I literally (laughs) said in a recent Instagram story, something you said struck me. It said, when I got the platform I did, and I'm paraphrasing, I always knew when I was canceled, it would be hard, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. What does it say about our culture that the minute you become a public figure, there's almost this anticipation Mm. that that's going to happen. And uh, I think the lesson is no matter what you're going through, whether it's something as big as that was completely directed at you or a loss of direction or hope that you were able to step back and prioritize your relationship yourself and recalibrate your perspective of dealing with it or motivation on how to go into it is something everybody can use with what they're going through and doing. And another thing that happened recently was you were dealing with accusations of Photoshopping Mm. your body, which I know you know, and (laughs) anyone with a brain knows you've never done and never will do. I'm interested in knowing the importance to you of why to address these accusations opposed to just Letting trolls be trolls.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're when you're a big creator, and you have 14 million eyes on you. You know, there's gonna be a group of people who go to dig up every possible thing you've ever done wrong in your life, even if you were 11. <laughs> like, yeah. like so, so a lot of times I just let it, let it, whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for something I did when I was 12. Okay, yeah, like yeah. no. Uh, <laughs> Um, like I already took accountability for shit I did when I was 12. All right. Um, but the, the body editing thing obviously was recently, it was, it was the video I posted on New Year's Eve. Um, and nothing pissed me off more than that. Let me tell you, I, I usually do not address things because I just think it's stupid, but, um, nothing made me more upset than people saying I edit my body because, I have just, I've dealt with my eating disorder for going on eight years now and mm. body dysmorphia is a big piece of that. So to me, body dysmorphia is depending on what mirror I'm looking in, I'll see my body differently. So sometimes I look mm. in the mirror and I will feel thin. Sometimes I'll look in a mirror and I will feel massive and it's just really confusing mm. mentally that I don't really know what I look like. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. um, either way. For people to say that I would edit my body when I am trying to recover from an eating disorder, yeah, it's honestly sick. It is. Um, and very wrong. And I wish people understood the difference between a filter being on a video versus the frames not being able to catch up with the camera movements. <laughs> <Like>, yes. I, <laughs> I cannot teach people that though, you know? Yeah. Like you, I think you film on like a, a real camera, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh Like uh, painfully HD, see every pore. Yeah, yeah. Camera. Well, I yeah.
1: film on this, so
0: mm-hmm. and the yeah.
1: front camera, not even the back one.
0: And people don't realize we are staring at ourselves, our face, all day, every day. Yeah. It's all. It, it, that's a lot.
1: It is a lot. It messes with you. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're like dissecting your face every day. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that makes I mean, obviously, it was, you know, part of it was rhetorical, because it it is very important that you are doing that, because there is so many people that deal with this on a much smaller scale. But then again, they may not be as used to it, which is a shame for you, you shouldn't have to be used to it. But I think I can't imagine how many people are going through exactly what you're going through, uh, getting Reassurance and positivity out of you sharing that message. What, overall, now post this fall, this winter, going into 2023, now that you're excited again to re enter this space and it's very evident, what are you looking forward to most heading into the new year as far as projects or content or just e- even professionally and personally?
1: Yeah, I mean, The biggest thing, and I'll make this very clear, (laughs) absolutely no one can hurt me this year because I'm getting married this year and that is going to be the happiest time of my life. And I am Mm -hmm. really, I'm like really excited. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Johnny will be there. (laughs) But um, this year, to be honest with you, is going to be very much focused on my relationship and my wedding and making sure that I stay mentally stable (laughs) because on that day, which is in six months, less than six months now, I deserve to be happy and Cody deserves to be happy and it deserves to be a beautiful day. So I'm really going to put a lot of focus on just maintaining the happiness that I feel but also recognizing that I will have bad days sometimes and making sure I understand how to cope with that and get through it. Um, a lot of people ask me like, what's next for you, Michaela? And, uh, to be honest, you know, people are like, we're waiting for a brand from you or we're waiting for you to be on television or the red carpets, or whatever. And, yeah. um, I feel like a lot of people don't realize. What my end goal actually is, because um, i I don't want to have a brand. I don't want to be walking red carpets. <laughs> I don't want to be on television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I just want to continue to share my passion of beauty with whoever will listen. Yeah. So, and and a lot of people don't realize I still take clients because mm. that is that's like. For me, a sense of normalcy, if that makes any sense, because yes. there is nothing normal about being an influencer in my opinion. But yeah, I have like I have a whole waiting room in my house and I have a a studio where I do people's makeup and um, for me, that's a sense of normalcy and and one day, maybe I'll open my own beauty pala, beauty s- studio yeah. and hire other makeup artists and and do just makeup on people. Um, or maybe I will start doing classes, in-person classes where I teach. Yeah. Um you know I just feel like my my beauty guru path yeah is a little different than maybe what people normally see. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, totally. And I, I that's crazy to me
0: because I think that speaks to, again, what we were talking about, your just, I mean, fervent love of beauty. That's so, a lot of people almost when they transition into becoming an influencer, getting this public space, they almost use that to get out of working on clients and the mm. day-to-day, that quote-unquote normalcy of doing that. And I think that's amazing because it, it you really love doing this even on other people. And that's incredible. I was the opposite. I transitioned out of doing bridal makeup. (laughs) I can't wait to see what you do for the rest of the year. As I said, you've just been so supportive to me and I just value your friendship so much. And I cannot thank you enough for talking with me today. You are literally
1: the sweetest. Oh, thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. I'm excited that you invited me. This is for the premiere, right? Yes. Boom. There you go. That's (laughs) awesome.
0: No, really. Thank you so much. I would tell everybody where to find you, but they know where to find you. And I'm going to put your social media up. Once again, love, I can't thank you enough. I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to Beautiful and Bothered with me, your host, Johnny Ross. I hope you have a fabulous week. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a little five-star rating as well as subscribe on the Beautiful and Bothered YouTube channel for weekly video episodes. I cannot thank you all enough for spending this time together with me each week. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And wherever you are, I hope you
1: are happy, safe, and healthy. And remember, you are beautiful.